0: Welcome to Law and Whatnot, the legal show that tries to provide law students and legal practitioners with well-curated legal content. It's your host, Calvin McQuay, and today we are going to be continuing our discussion on pleadings, specifically statements of defence. Yeah. In our last episode, we spoke to you about the general requirements of statements of claim and and certain specific claims that plaintiffs needed to take extra care with when they were drafting them. We also spoke to you about the general rules regarding statements of claim and why they were so important. In this episode, we are going to be moving along. We are going to be talking about statements of defences and what they are, their timelines for filing them. We're also going to be talking about the options open to a defendant's lawyer when they're drafting a statement of of defense. We'll be drilling down to also talk about the matters that the rule requires that a defendant specifically plead if they want to actually plead it. If there's enough time, we'll be talking about the general types of defenses open to a defendant. And we'll be talking about instances where a a person, and I mean a plaintiff, may file or decide to file a reply. So let's go. Estimate of defense is essentially a pleading filed by a defendant in an action with the main purpose of disputing liability. That's generally what a estimate of defense is supposed to be. It's filed by a defendant to contest an action and to dispute their liability. The timeline for filing it. It must be filed 14 days after within the time limited for appearance right so when a statement of claim is served on you as a defendant you have 18 days within which to file or to enter an appearance whether conditional or un- unconditional okay if you opt for an unconditional appearance then you must follow that unconditional appearance with a statement of defense within 14 days after the time limited for appearance has lapsed right and when you don't do that we're going to be talking about what is open like the options open to a plaintiff when you fail to do that okay despite this rule you need to note something very interesting when the plaintiff applies for summary judgment after you've entered appearance right the period of 14 days from time limited for appearance does not apply anymore to the defendant because it is not required to file a statement of defense until the summit judgment application has been determined by the court and the court gives you leave to actually file your defense so the general rule is that you must file your statement of defense within 14 days after the time um, um, limited for for appearance full stop however exception where, where a summary judgment application is pending or has been applied for by a plaintiff after you have entered a parent, then that 14-day rule does not apply to, to you. And as a defendant, you must wait until the court determines that summary judgment and gives you leave to now file that defense. Right? That's the, the, the nitty-gritty. Like, that's the nuance there. All right. Let's move on then. What are the general options open to a defendant when preparing a statement of defence? So, when a defendant is served with a statement of claim by a plaintiff, there are a number of strategic options that are open to a defendant's lawyer in deciding how to move on with a matter or an action that they are handling. The defendant's lawyer can deny either some or all of the facts contained within the statement of claim the defendant lawyer can admit and confess to the facts contained within the statement of claim but also assert fresh facts that dispute liability the third thing is the defendant lawyer can admit to these facts containing the statement of claim and raise a question of law in terms of the effect of those facts that they have admitted to right the defendant has admitted to the defendant can also state facts of set off, which we'll be talking about shortly, and the defendant can file a counterclaim within that statement of defense. So let's take them, these guys like quickly. Deny all the facts. That's very easy, right? So that looks like the defendant par- uh, denies paragraphs one, two, three, four, five, and six of the statement of claim and puts the, uh, the plaintiff to strict proof right when we're talking about admitting or confessing facts and accepting fresh facts so in an action for maybe debt recovery the plaintiff is alleging that he he gave or he lent money to the defendant and the defendant has not paid even though the due date for repayment has lapsed right the defendant could say something like yes i agree your man gave me the money he gave me money to actually do a business Yes, and there was a condition that I will pay within a stipulated time. But when that time was getting close, your guy decided to dash it to me. I visited his office one time and he said, you know what, senior man, oh, the way you did did run your business, I I really like it. So, you know what, I'm waiving my debt to you, like the debt that you owe me. I don't want it anymore, I'm not going to claim it, right? That's an example of a defendant admitting that he borrowed the money, right? But he's also asserting fresh facts. The fact being that that same plaintiff that gave him the money waived his right to actually reclaim that debt that's an example of admitting and confessing but a certain fresh fact then we have admitting and raising a question of law admitting and raising a question of law so well here you could say you could say something like um yes, yes. this plaintiff gave me this money in 2006 or in 2005 at court court it's 2022 right the statute of limitations applies to this transaction and renders this transaction no problem right the guy cannot claim for me now because the statute of limitation for claiming that is six years and from 2005 to 2022 is well over how many years is it 18 yeah 18 years and that's so far a time actually allow a person to claim a debt so even though i owed him the law says he cannot claim that's an example of a defendant admitting but raising a question of law when a defendant is stating facts of a setup he's saying it's usually when the plaintiff has is claiming a sum of money from him what he is saying as defense is that the plaintiff also owes him money so the court should be able to do a deduction from that claim that the plaintiff owes him and when that deduction is done his liability will either be extinguished or it will be mitigated or reduced. And we know what counterclaims are. If we don't, we'll be talking about them very soon. Fresh actions, the defendant is saying, oh, you have sued me, no problem. Mika, I have an action against you. So I'm also suing you back. Yes, let's see who will win it. You and I, we're there here, we'll go see. That's a counterclaim. He's essentially initiating a fresh action within a pending action. That's what a counterclaim is all about. Now let's talk about matters that a defendant must specifically plead so the rules mandates that when a defendant is is minded to plead any fact or any matters that's essentially is him saying that the plaintiff cannot maintain the action like things like capacity or course of action a whole lot all those conditional precedent legal conditional precedents There are a number of things that essentially a defendant will be saying to impress upon the court that the action is not maintainable. The rules are saying if you are doing something like that or if your plan as a defendant is to do something like that, you need to specifically plead such things, right, so that you can put the defendant on notice. The second thing that a defendant must specifically plead to is any matters, right, that are likely to take the plaintiff by surprise then you must plead them because remember the essence of pleadings is to ensure that parties know the cases that they must answer to then also any matters with issues of facts not arising from the statement of claim if you are raising new facts that are not raised by the statement of claim then you must specifically plead them so that the plaintiff knows what to reply to like in his reply okay what are the three types what are the general some of the general types of defenses that are open to a defendant confession and avoidance yeah, we've already briefly spoken about it. We said that a person can confess and avoid when he agrees to certain facts, but necessarily still contests the effects of those facts. So, you can agree to some facts, a plaintiff, a party can admit to the facts of their opponents and allege a different legal consequence of those facts. So, you can agree to the facts and say, Well, but the law says this fact has this effect. Or you can agree to the facts and also add fresh facts in order to dispute your liability then we also have set off as another way to defend like mountain defense here the defendants who have been sued for a specific sum right it's alleging that they are also owed an amount this is what we're explaining earlier and that that amount should be deducted from the sum that they have been sued for then we have tender before action and here the defendant will be saying that he has paid money into court he has paid money that he owes to the plaintiff into the court because the plaintiff has refused to receive the money in satisfaction of the debt, even though the defendant has given him notice of the payment. Right. So those are the three main like those are some of the general defenses that a, um, a defendant may actually employ. And it's, it's usually I've seen it a couple of times in the past question, so you can really take note of this. Next, in our next episode, we'll be talking about the instances where a person or a plaintiff may be minded to file a reply. We will also be talking about the effect of a failure to file a defense, and we'll be talking about how and when a, def- a default judgment should be set aside. If there's time, we'll be talking about a distinction between a counterclaim and a set So, stay tuned, my guys. Stay, stay tuned, my people. See you in our next episode. Peace.